No matter what you read on the internet, and no matter what the sales and marketing people from your favorite camera manufacturer tell you, you don't need new gear to get better. Here are 10 ways to improve your photography with the gear you already own. Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hey there, welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast, and this is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast. We're building a lifestyle around creating great pictures, building an audience to view and admire those pictures, and making an impact, whether that happens to be selling them, sharing them, showing them, or however you plan to, whatever you want to do with your final images. I'm your host, Linford Morton. Of course, you can call me Lynn, and this is episode 84, and we're talking about 10 ways to improve your photography with the gear you already owned. Now, I was inspired on this topic by a free ebook by Craft and Vision called 10 Ways to Improve Your Craft Without Buying Gear uh, by David Duchemin. I, I loved his list, but I thought I could create an even more relevant one. Especially now with uh, on the eve of the Photo Plus Expo show where I know thousands of photographers will be heading to New York City to see what new gear um, is being rolled out by the camera manufacturers. And like you have any everywhere else around the world, people are wandering into camera stores and asking, what can I buy to make my photography better? And the answer is you already have everything you need to be a photographer. And so we're going to talk about 10 ways you can improve your photography with the gear you already own. 10 ways you can get better just by working on specific skills. Before we get going, just a quick reminder that we have time to get in on our Big Apple Fall Photography Weekend Workshop at the end of the month with Steve Rosenbach and myself. Check it out. Hi, this is Lynn from ShutterbugLife.com. I am in Herald Square right now in Manhattan in the middle of New York City, and this is where we'll be kicking off our three-day photography workshop, Fall Photography in the Big Apple. Now, this is going to be a very cool three-day workshop because we're going to see a lot of New York City. We're going to get to learn, do a lot of photography um, workshops and principles along the way. We're going to be in uh, or just across the city in general because we will be down in Brooklyn. We will be in Chinatown. We will be in Central Park. We will be in the lower Manhattan Financial District. We'll be in Midtown Manhattan. We'll go uptown to Harlem. And throughout all of this, you will learn architectural photography. We'll do black and white photography. We'll do the fall colors for um, another lesson. We will uh, do street photography 
and of course we will do long exposure and night photography. Now, throughout this time, you will have two photo instructors always nearby and always ready to help you. I'll be there and my partner in Christ, Steve Rosenbach, who has the encyclopedia-like knowledge of every photogenic place in New York City, I swear. But we'll both be always nearby to help you. Now, here's the cool thing. At the end of the three days, we will do a half-day session where you can download your images, show us your best, or the ones that challenge you and get feedback on all your images. You get all that over the course of three days. It will be October 27 to 30. And if you want more information, just go to shutabovelife.com forward slash NYC. I'm pretty sure there's a link below. If, if, if I know my tendencies, you should have a link below and it'll take you right there and you can see um, learn more about it and if you have more questions we'll be happy to answer them but it will be three days uh, in New York City um, seeing so much and learning it's gonna be a fun time I'd love for you to come on out and join us in the Wizard of Oz Dorothy and her friends embark on a magical journey to the Emerald City in search of qualities they thought they lacked, courage, a heart, a brain, which, as it turns out, they had all along. This weekend, photographers will also journey to the big Photo Plus Expo camera show in New York City and camera stores all around the world searching for answers to the abilities they think they lack. And just like the crew searching for Oz, many of us photographers already have the potential we seek. If you want to improve your images, you don't need the magical powers of a new camera or a lens. So today, here are 10 ways to improve your photography with the gear you already own. Now, we've talked about when you need a new camera in past episodes, but for the most part, when I, when you see photographers talking about new gear you want to get, or new lenses, or new camera bodies, or new whatevers, and you ask, well, what problem will that solve for you? The answer is often something you can solve with what you already own. And so if you want to fall in love again with the gear you already own, here are 10 things or 10 ways to get you there. One, make important decisions earlier. So now this is this is a way of approaching your shooting in a way that will help you get the shot and learn your gear better. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you are going to photograph a, a rodeo, for instance, let's, let's you know throw that out as an example. You don't have to wait until the cowboy is, is you know, galloping across the, in front of you to look down at your camera and say, how will I set this up? You can start to make those decisions at home 
You can make them in the car, assuming someone else is driving. You can make those decisions as you walk into the stadium. You can make those decisions at any point before the action starts. And what I often find is helpful is if you push that decision-making back further. Meaning, if you start thinking about the shoot you're going to do when you're at home, and you start thinking about, okay, what settings will I need to to choose for what I want to, to see come out of this creatively? I am envisioning getting some great shots of maybe um, the cowboy as he's being, you know, ejected and he's midair and the, you know, the, the, the bull or whatever is like tossing him off. If you are thinking about all of those, you will have the opportunity then to, to, to really look at your camera and find the correct settings, find where you have to go to make your adjustments and set the camera up and know exactly what you're going to do so that when you get there and the action starts, you aren't fiddling trying to find the next um you know, how you change settings. It, because once the action starts, for many of us, now you're really panicking because you think you're missing the shot and you and, and you ever try to look for something when you're panicked? You almost never find it, right? And so this is what will happen. You're going to be really um, pent up that, oh my God, I can't find the correct setting and everyone else is getting a shot and all the action is happening and you're missing it because that's not the time to think about these things. And I, I, and I, and I think one of the other benefits then, the second benefit is not only do, are you prepared better for the shot, but in forcing yourself early on when you're relaxed to look for and think through all the possible ways you might want to, to get there and, and, and focus on your camera when there are no other distractions, it helps you to, to learn the camera much better and to get all of these, um, these important decisions to sink in so that in time, this just becomes second nature. So, number one is make important decisions earlier. You can push them back as far as you'd like so that you can think them through and so that you're not stressing about it when the actual action is occurring. Number two is keep looking with or without your camera. Keep looking. You don't have to have your camera in hand to practice looking. And you, you'll find that when you see photographers who, who know how to look and see creatively, they go into ordinary, ordinary scenes and find something interesting. And it's not, and, and, and you might go there and not see anything interesting when you're standing right next to them. And it's not that the interesting things are hiding from you. It's that these photographers have honed this skill of looking and seeing beyond the obvious. And so you might only have an hour a week to go shoot. But it doesn't mean the rest of the time you can't spend that time building up that skill and that muscle of looking. 
Meaning you're looking beyond the obvious. You're looking at, okay, what do I see here that looks interesting? And you're deconstructing it. What's it made of? Where is it coming from? Where's the light? What's, what's interesting about that? What do I feel? What, what, what are they reacting to? What else is going on? What's something smaller and, and more significant that might be interesting? And you start learning how to pick apart a scene for what's interesting by learning how to look. And you can do this, of course, when you have your camera and you are walking around or you are, you know, on a, on a scene covering a shoot or doing whatever it is that you do with your camera. You can do it then, but you can also, you can also do this when you are not with your camera. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll just be sitting in a, you know, in a Starbucks having coffee with a friend and I'm looking around and seeing all these different shots we can take of the scene, of the person you're with. Just you've got to practice getting yourself into that mode where you are looking for where the potential shots are and not just, Hey, that looks cool, but Hey, that looks cool. How would I shoot that? Right. So, cause, because that's the, that's the next important part of looking. I, I, if I'm just sitting in a Starbucks and I look down, I think, Oh, that's kind of cool. How the coffee cup and the spoon and uh, maybe the, the bag of sugar are, are, are all arranged. And looking doesn't mean just going, Oh, that's interesting. That might be a good picture. It's, it's then saying, okay, how would I photograph that? I might move over to the right just a little bit, bring the camera down. I might want to have a shallower depth of field so that the sugar is a little out of focus and, and, and sort of think through how you would shoot that because that's the next and important part of looking, thinking through how you would create. All right. Now, Number three, choose better subjects. Now, I talked about this on my F2 photography show, which is the the daily show that I I do on Facebook. Um, a week at a, a week for weeks at a time. I'm not doing it this week, of course. But we talked about in two separate episodes, and I'll link to them in the show notes in case you missed it. How you choose better? What what do I mean when I say choose better subjects? So. And the first part of choose better subjects means in order for your shot to stand out, you need to have a subject and not just a subject, a subject that you can make clear and unmistakable, clear and unmistakable. When your subject is clear and unmistakable, that's when it really stands out and you have a great image. And and so now it takes work. So in, in one of the videos, I was standing on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And Bourbon Street is just, it's known for just the sensory overload you get when you hit when you hit that street, you hear music blasting, you, you smell food, you see lights flashing all over you. There's just a lot going on in Bourbon Street. Now, if you're there with your camera and you're looking and taking all of this in, you have to decide if I were to stop and take a photograph here, what would be my subject? Because everything is clamoring for your attention. And so once in and and once you do that, 
Once you find something and say, okay, I'd like for that to be my subject, then the next step is how do I make it clear and unmistakable? How do I make it stand out from everything else so that my viewer knows this is my subject? Because you can't always do that with all subjects. You can't look up at the, for instance, the cone of a roof of a building and go, that's my subject, if you can't find a way to make it stand out and make it clear and unmistakable to your viewer. So sometimes there are times when you say, that's just not a good enough subject. I have got to find a better subject. You've got to choose a better subject because if you can't make it clear and unmistakable, it's really going to be hard to have it have impact on your viewer. So when I say choose better subjects, I mean not just, okay, I want that to be my subject, but also thinking through how you make it stand out from everything else so that the eye naturally goes there first and recognizes that as the most important thing in the photograph. And, and then the second part of choosing better subjects means choosing subjects that are interesting. And I gave the example that I heard from... Um, a famous photographer who said, if you take a picture of a brown butterfly and you have great lighting and you have a great angle, you have a great background, it's still a picture of a brown butterfly. And if you take a picture of a butterfly under the same conditions, but that butterfly is has these beautiful bright colors and it's shining and, and it's just, you know, it's a gorgeous butterfly. People will think that picture is better than the picture of the picture of the brown butterfly with all other things being equal. It's just a better subject. And so choosing better subjects means also looking for subjects that are interesting, that are more interesting. Taking a photograph of a tree bark might be, you know, a very technically, you know, proficient photograph, but it's not going to move anybody. So now you're thinking about, okay, what do I find interesting in this subject? Why would I care? What's the so what factor? And you have to sort of think that through too and choose a subject where it's interesting enough for me to go, ah, oh, cool, and want to look at it. And you have, you have the technical ability or the tools or the skills to make it stand out in your photograph. You got to do those two things to really pick good subjects. Well, you know, we're going to the show this week and one of the things I noticed from most most of the photographers who are presenting there is they've they all have this in common none of them are showing pictures of boring subjects they're showing pictures of you know beautiful you know animals in the middle of the serengeti and sunsets in the seashell islands and you know they're all <laughs> showing pictures of these dramatic things or you know uh, a model in a in an abandoned you know warehouse somewhere but the sub they all have this in common is that their subjects are interesting. And then with interesting subjects, they apply their skill as photographers to then make them stand out. So choose better subjects. Number four, get even closer. And you know, here's the thing. We all know we should get close. We all have heard that quote, if your pictures aren't interesting enough, you're not close enough, yet many of us still aren't getting close enough. And so I'm going to, in this little nudge, say, even if you think you're close, 
try and get even closer. Try and get even closer because you might be surprised. I mean, there are very few pictures I see when we're doing our photo walks, when, I, when, when someone says, hey, take a look at this, that I don't take the camera and hit the zoom in button and zoom in even tighter on it. And we end up looking at something that looks even more dramatic. And if you've ever been with me at class and I've done that to you, this is what I'm talking about. No matter how close you think you are, you can get closer. And you can do that for yourself. If once you've taken the picture and you think this is a great picture, find that little zoom button on the back of your LC, your back of your camera and zoom in tighter on your subject and see for yourself if it looks even more dramatic. And if it does, that's your clue that you can zoom with your feet and get in tighter because you don't really want to have to crop it if you don't have to. But it's a good signal to you that you can still get closer. Just zoom in on it and see if it looks any better or any interest, more interesting. And if it does, then get back to work and take some more pictures. So number four was get even closer. Number five is sort of a related. It's, 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 you've got to keep subtracting. Now, this was also, uh, I, I talked about this on one of the F2 photography shows. Of course, check the show notes for the link on that one. But one of the premises of getting images that are, that really stand out and really grab someone's attention is you've got to simplify them. And a way of simplifying is to, is to when you think you have the image is start subtracting. Like, what else can I subtract from this, from this photograph? That's not necessary. And, and through the process of subtracting, oh, this thing on the edge, I don't need that. Let me go crop a little tighter. Oh, the background has stuff that I don't need. Let me shift where I'm standing. Or it's too specific in the background. Let me use a more shallow depth of field. You've got to keep subtracting. And really, that's what you're doing when you get even closer. You're subtracting a lot of extraneous materials from the edges. But you've got to keep subtracting. And this this is one of the techniques that you can use in composition to really begin to make your images stand out. Keep subtracting. What else can I subtract from this image? to simplify it and make it really stand out. So keep subtracting until the only thing left is what is absolutely necessary for the shot, okay? So the the way I've heard it explained is you want fewer specific things in your photograph. You just want the one or two or three specific things, ideally one, and then everything else should not be specific, meaning you should not see them clearly. They should be a little blurry. They should be out of the way. They should be further away. Just one specific thing that really jumps out at you and everything else works to complement or lead your eye to the real subject. Keep subtracting is number five. Number six is shoot the action, don't watch it. And, you know, this is one of those those obvious things that you miss until it's over you're you know you you, you're you're at an event or you're somewhere where there's action going on if you are looking at it you aren't shooting at it you're not shooting it and i see so often i will see it like i remember once i was at you know in in washington dc there is 
whenever it snows there in DuPont Circle, they have the big snowball fight. And you look around the ring and there'll be all these photographers looking and enjoying the action with their cameras, you know, against their, you know, their stomachs while they are just looking at the action. And it's like whatever you're seeing there that you're enjoying so much, you could be capturing it on your camera, but you can't do both. You can't just stop and look at the action and capture it. So what you've got to learn how to do is is scan for where you see action going on, anticipate where you think the action is going to go, and shoot into it. So if in that example you see a guy over on the side who just got hit and is smacked across the head with uh, a snowball. He looks like, oh, I'm going to get you back. He's got that look in his face. He reaches down. He starts to scoop up a, you know, a handful of snow, and he's packing it together. So now the photographer says, I'm going to go in on this guy because when he lets that loose, I'm going to fire through that and, and get the action and emotion of him firing back at whoever just whoever just hit him with the snowball. So rather than just looking at the at the action, you've got to start shooting it and shooting and anticipating where the next thing will happen. This is how you capture action in uh, with photography. And too many times I see folks just looking at the action without actually shooting it and then after it's over they pick up the camera and go, "Oh my god, I didn't get anything." No, you're not going to get anything if you're just standing there looking. At that point, you are a spectator. You're not a photographer. If you want to be a photographer, pick up the camera, put it close to your face, look through that viewfinder, and and fire away. I mean, you, you probably will do better just firing randomly than you will just holding it at the side, not shooting anything at all, quite honestly. So if there's action going on, you've got to shoot the action, not just look at it. And shoot the action means anticipating where it will happen next, where the height of the action will be, where the height of the emotion will be. Now, number seven, review later, shoot now. So this is connected to that. If you are photographing something that is going on and you've, you know, at the beginning, you have shot a few, you've checked to see that your exposure looks good, you've checked to see that your settings are all right, then you don't have to stop and check after every shot. Just shoot. Just shoot. Shoot through. You see something happening, you shoot all the the action all the way through, you shoot all the way through, and then you might stop and spot check one or two just to make sure that your settings are still where they ought to be, like you didn't bump something by mistake. But you don't have to stop after every shot and do what we call chimping, looking to see how that was done. Because unless the light is changing rapidly or unless you are changing your position um, dramatically, if you're standing in the same place and the light's not changing, but the action is going on, you don't have to keep checking after every shot. Just keep shooting. Because once you have it, at this point, now you're just trying to capture the, the right moment. And you're going to miss the right moment because you'll be looking at your camera rather than through your viewfinder at the action. Now, num- that's number seven. Review later, shoot now. Number eight is find another point of view. The axiom I told you I have at my photo campers is the first place is the worst place. The first place you stop 
is the worst place for you to try and take the most creative shot. The first place you stop is usually going to be the one where you, the observer, stop and, and you're thinking like like the observer and you stop and go, oh, that's interesting. And you take a shot. But then as you start to get the photographer's eye, the photographer's vision, the photographer's mindset, you realize that that's not where you stand is rarely where you get the most creative shot because where you stand is usually with not with the camera at at one of the angles where you're going to get something creative and interesting because it's usually out. That's usually with the camera outside of eye level, which is where you stop and look. No, you got to get the camera down very low. You got to get the camera very high. You have to get it on either angle, left or right, extreme angles, further left, further right, further higher, further lower. You've got to do all that stuff. And so even when you think you have something creative, find another point of view. And I say point of view because that's more of a video-ish term, because I could say find another angle. But a point of view means what's the viewpoint of another person in the scene? For instance, I am photographing it as someone looking at the parade. What would it look like if I was in the parade looking back at the audience? That's another point of view. I am photographing two people from over the shoulder of one person, so I'm giving their point of view. What about the other person's point of view? I am looking at it from the point of view of this vacation spot from the point of view of the tourist. What about the point of view of the local? So think about different points of view, meaning how would somebody else other than the person who most likely sees it from this viewpoint see it? And think about other viewpoints and try and photograph those as well. Nine, shoot more photos. This is one... (laughs) Yeah, you know, one of the things I try and encourage all of us as photographers to do is take on a photo project of some kind. And one of the more popular ones is a Project 365, where you say you shoot once a day for an entire year. And for those of us who say, oh, this is just too much, life is too busy, I, I can't even, then we say, okay, Project 52, once per week. But with the realization that your results will be very different from the person who at the end of the year made a deliberate attempt to shoot 365 times and you made a difference to shoot just 52 times there when you look at the difference in the amount of experience that you get someone who shot you know 365 times found 313 more times to shoot than you did. And there's no way someone's going to find 313 more times to shoot than you and not get significantly better faster. So keep that in mind. The more you shoot, the more opportunity you're going to have to improve. And a daily at the end of the year gives you 365 opportunities so it's not just 365 shots a day, it's 365 opportunities to learn your camera, to learn how to see, to learn how to make the settings work as you want to, to learn how to tell stories. You have 365 opportunities to do that versus just 52 when you do one per week. So you might try three times a week or whatever, but look for more opportunities 
to shoot. Shoot more photos. Find more opportunities is number nine. And then number 10, finally, is take the crappy shot. Sometimes you just got to take the crappy shot. Like, I don't see anything good here, so I'm just going to shoot the crappy shot and shoot through this. And I'm always surprised when I look at something that just looks like it's going to be a crappy shot, but I decide to take it anyway, that sometimes just shooting that and going, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? I almost... I often stumble on something interesting that I would have never found had I not decided to just take the crappy shot. So that's the first um when that's the first thing you might get out of deciding to take the crappy shot. It's a crappy shot. You know, I'm going to put my camera back in my bag and keep walking. No, just go out there and try it because in taking the crappy shot and then forcing yourself to continue to see, you might see more and you might come away with something that is a happy accident. The second reason to take the crappy shot is because it's crappy because many times we just don't force our or challenge ourselves to go out there and find a way to make it interesting. You might think just at first glance, that's crappy, I don't want to do it. But if you force yourself and challenge yourself to make it interesting, you might be surprised that you actually find something interesting. So that's the 10 ways you can improve your photography with the gear you already own. Make your important decisions earlier. Keep looking with or without your camera. Choose better subjects. Get even closer, then keep subtracting, shoot the action, don't watch it, review later, shoot now, find another point of view, shoot more photos, and take the crappy shot. Let me tell you something. If you do all of these things and do them all regularly with the camera you already have or already own, you will begin to see your pictures start to improve. And you will find that if you can do those things, man, it reaps results and reaps results quickly. Like within the same shoot, you will begin to see a difference and an improvement. Hey, thanks again for sticking with me for another episode of the Shutterbug Life podcast. If you like what you heard here, then I'm going to invite you to share it with a friend who might be a photographer and a, might be a photographer who's looking for ways to get to get better, to improve his or her photography. Now, before I turn you loose, I want to let you know that I am finishing up this week my composition, my creative composition intensive, which is a a an online training where i'm going to be recording just a series of of classes training videos on really seeing creatively like we talked about today making better composition decisions so that your pictures turn out better and i'm going to work through the beginning principles into intermediate steps to even more advanced ways of seeing creatively and I'm going to do all of this into one workshop with just a series of, you know, 101 lesson level, 201, 301, 401 level. Then I'm going to go out and find 
shots that might be problematic, and we're going to talk through how we might approach them. And then finally, we'll have it in a bit of inspiration by just looking at people whose people's work who really do this well and seeing what we can learn from them. And so this series is going to be very comprehensive, but it will take you through if you struggle at all with composition. And you know, that's the one thing that you can really use to turn your images around, then I'm going to invite you to check out the show notes so that you can see where you can get in before the get in and buy in before it's launched at a significant savings. When I launch it at the end of the month, it will be $99 for this whole um, training uh, class is going to be pretty comprehensive. It's going to have a lot, lot of information in it. And so I think it's going to be something that's going to be, you know, a good resource for you. But in preparing for it, I've given you an opportunity to buy in early at a at reduced savings. And so for the next week, this is the last week you'll be able to buy this weekend at a reduced rate. You can buy it for fifty nine rather and save forty dollars on the actual um the actual final cost of it. And so if you want to save $40 and still really learn how to improve your composition, then I'm going to invite you to register for the creative composition intensive class, which you will find on the show notes of, of number episode 84 of the Shutterbug Life podcast. All right. So check that out. Thank you so much. I hope that you get out and try and practice some of these um, these techniques and tips we talked about today on the gear you already have. Show me how you can improve with the gear you already have. You can you can check in with us on the face in our Facebook group by going to fb.shutterbuglife.com. And uh, and then just share the images you're working on there, wherever you are. We'd love to see them, and we'd love to see um, what kinds of things you are creating with the gear you already have. If you're in Washington, D.C. or New York City, come on out and join our meetup. We've got meetups in both of those cities, Shuttlebug Excursions and Shuttlebug Excursions New York. And of course, uh, this is a weekly podcast. You can find it here. Go to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe, and I'll make sure that you don't miss another episode because I'll send you a friendly reminder once per week. And of course, that also includes the the daily Facebook live shows I've been doing. You can find, you'll get um, reminders for those as well. All right. That's it. Thank you so much, folks, and uh, have a good weekend shooting, and I hope you you find something really interesting to shoot, and you find a way to make it stand out as clear and unmistakable. Yep, I'm talking about <laughs> part of what we, we discussed earlier today. And if any of you are going to be up at the Photo Plus Expo in New York, look me up. Um, let let me know you're there. I'd love to see you and uh, and and uh, just chat for a minute or two or just look at some gear together. All right. Thank you so much again. You have a great weekend wherever you go, whatever you do. Enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care. <laughs>